That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Certainly, it's, it's a tough time. But I've been extremely inspired by what I see as I walk those corridors with our chamber partners, with the business community. And I think I see great resilience and I see great hope. everybody. I'm Fran Spielman. And with us today is the Business Affairs and Consumer Protection Commissioner, Rosa Escareño. Rosa, thank you so much for joining us. I have known you a long, long time, haven't we? I know. You know what? It's interesting. But um, in in my early career, uh, Fran, uh, certainly have learned a lot um, uh, from uh, how our media works just by watching you uh, in full action. So I certainly appreciate all the work that you do to to bring, uh, you know, just relevance to a lot of the important subjects that the city of Chicago covers. So, you know, and it's been great uh, getting to know you over the years. Yeah, you've been with the city for like 22 years. Is that right? Actually, Fran, if I tell you exactly how long I've been with the city, I'm afraid you're going to know my age. But I've actually been with the city closer to 30 years. Okay. All right. 30 years. Well, I've been in the business for more than 40. So uh, I I think I've got one on you on that one. Um, But but I remember you in the press office, in the mayor's office as deputy chief operations officer. You've been in the budget office. Now you are commissioner of a department during a pandemic that has forced so many businesses to shut down and during looting that severely damaged so many businesses both downtown and also in the south and west side neighborhoods that were under invested in to begin with and fought so very hard to get these businesses they have. What has this experience been like for you personally? Oh my God, Fran, you're, you're going to make me tear up. Uh, you know, it's interesting that you say that because it has been an extremely emotional time and see, I'm kind of tearing up again. And I think it's because, you know, my life's work has been about public service. And as I, you know, and, and you're right in the many years that I've worked here, um, I've worked on, on many different projects that really have touched every neighborhood of the city. In, in my career, and I've been extremely proud to just serve the people of Chicago. And I think uh, this this experience has been really hard personally uh, because I see our city hurting. You know, I see our, our city in pain. And, uh, you know, at least uh, over the last, uh, I would say, five uh, to seven years, I've been really much more focused on working with our business community in a more intimate way. And so 
policies and programs and initiatives to grow our city, to strengthen our city, to grow our economy. And so I, I would say that when COVID hit, it was just surreal in a way for me. Uh, and, and, and watching these businesses close their doors and hearing from them, hearing directly from them about what they were going through and how difficult and challenging it has been for them to be closed. And then to your point about just the recent incidents, uh, the crisis the, of, you know, what our city and our country is going through right now um, and, and, and the suffering and the damage that many of these businesses uh, suffered uh, was just a little bit much. Um, but I have been so inspired. But certainly it's, it's a tough time, but I've been extremely inspired by, by, by what I see as I walk the neighborhoods. I've been in many of the communities um, that have been most impacted and, and I've walked those corridors with our chamber partners, with the business community. And I think I see great resilience and I see great hope. And I think, uh, Fran, and I appreciate you so much asking me about, you know, my years with the city. I think what uh, this moment in time is, it's, it's, it's certainly uh, makes me feel very proud to be a Chicago, certainly to be a Latina. I, I came to this country. Chicago was my home when I was a child. And so I'm very proud to be kind of holding hands as we, we grow out of this and as we reopen and start to see that we're in this together. And, and I'm just as a public servant, I think it's a, it's a, it's a sad time, but it's a very hopeful uh, time for us to just uh, come out of this. And, and I think we're going to get through it and we're going to be uh, strong because Chicago has been tough and strong since I got here and we continue to be resilient and, and, and we're a great city. And I, and I, and I depend on that and count on that. And, and, and I'm never going to be wrong as long as I'm um, relying on our people, our businesses, uh, because they're the ones that are going to push us forward. Take us through the weekend of May 30th. When did you learn about the looting and mayhem to so many businesses and what did you do? Well, you know, um, in Chicago, Fran, uh, we, you know, people, we have protests on, you know, everything from, you know, uh, trees to, uh, you know, to schools. And so to, for, for us, this is normal. This is part of who we are. Chicago is a city that embraces all voices. And so, you know, I, I think I, you know, we, I, I learned like everybody else and, but certainly we always pay attention to, to demonstrations and, um, and, and as we started to look at the, at the volume of crowd, you know, my team is out there. I'm out there. We're constantly, um, you know, working with, with our chamber partners and, and listening. And so I think I started to become a little bit more concerned when our, uh, we started to hear from our chamber partners about some of the things that were happening. And this is really kind of in, you know, in, at night uh, when most of us are, are home and, and many, but we in government are constantly paying attention to these things. And we're very tuned in uh, with other agencies, with our OEMC, and we're all working together when demonstrations start to, to grow. And so we, I learned very early on that there was damages to, uh, to property and, and to businesses. But in terms of the extent of it, it was really the, uh, you know, through the night and the following morning uh, that we started to to really understand uh, the devastation in 
of our neighborhoods because obviously uh, the media covers some uh, parts of the city, but not everything. And uh, I will tell you, our chamber partners who are resilient, they're in every neighborhood. They were in touch with us very early on. And so, um, you know, my team and I were out in the neighborhoods uh, shortly after actually that following morning. Uh, and so- Did you ever get a tally about how many businesses did suffer damage? Uh, no, I mean, this is something that we're certainly in conversations with our chambers. We, we share information with them that we're, we're certainly looking at this, this information and we're continuing to work with our chambers to learn more about uh, how the different neighborhoods were impacted. It must have been heartbreaking, though, to see it. Yeah, you. you know, and, and yes, and, and I will tell you, I think what, as I explained, Fran, one of the, the things that I thought was uh, extremely tough was that very, when we first, uh, you know, when the announcements were made in, in late March, mid late March, that we were going to close and that businesses were having to close. And within the first couple of weeks, uh, you know, just hearing from some of our businesses to asking me very specifically, when are we going to open and looking uh, at the nation and that they are closing and that we are looking at a spike in our numbers and listening to our health experts indicating to us that we're closing, that the cases are growing. Uh, it's it, it was already hard then. And so when I see then more destruction um, of, of businesses at a time when I know and I knew that we were literally getting prepared to roll out, I think at the time it was phase two, and I apologize, but the phases uh, keep coming. Uh, it was phase three. We knew that phase three was essential and important because this was really going to allow more businesses to come into the fold. And so when that happened, I was just thinking about the different uh, chambers and the businesses that I had literally just spoken to days before that were so excited. They were, you know, they were buying their products. They were stocking up their shelves. Uh, they were getting ready to open some of their restaurants, even a little bit in terms of just uh, expanding outdoor. All of that was just in my mind as I started to see the destruction uh, of some of those businesses. Uh, and so, yes, to your point, Fran, because it's not just about the businesses. Remember, our businesses are the heart of our economy because they employ our workers. And so when we do not open a small mom and pop to the big businesses, it is the workers that are also not able to work. And Fran, you cover the media. You have seen, and, and I started to see the lines of people that were looking for food. And so to me, what that tells me when those lines are long is that people are not working and they are running out of cash flow. And so when our businesses don't open, our workers can't go back to work. And so it's a compounded problem. On Friday, Chicago tiptoes into phase four of the reopening plan. Mayor Lightfoot says it won't be like flipping a light switch, it'll be more like turning a dimmer switch very slowly. Are you excited? Are you nervous? Are you a little bit of both? What? No, I'm extremely, uh, again, very optimistic and extremely excited for our city. I think we uh, held hands, we continue to hold hands together and progress cautiously. I will tell you one of the reasons why I'm very excited is I've been out there uh, walking the different neighborhoods. And I see our business community wanting to be compliant, wanting to ensure that they're implementing the guidelines uh, because they want 
they're, they're concerned about their customers. They're concerned about their employees. And I will tell you that the grand majority of our business community is working with us and are taking the precautions necessary to open uh, and to be responsible. So I'm extremely excited uh, as I look at other cities and uh, states throughout the country that started too fast, didn't take maybe the, the precautions as seriously and slow walk, as you said, the mayor says this is a dimmer and, and we're, we're slowly ramping up. It's great to see that we are moving forward and that we are not moving back. Um, and so I'm extremely optimistic and, and very hopeful um, about but, the direction. But that what taking. happens to if, if I walk into a grocery store, like I've heard people who emailed me all the time and the employees aren't wearing masks or businesses that are pushing the envelope because they are desperate to stay alive and, and maybe push the 25% in your capacity or don't abide by some of the protections that you have in your guidelines. What is your team going to do? What should I do as a consumer and who's going to police this whole thing? Absolutely. That's an extremely important question, Fran. And uh, you must call 311. You must uh, provide us the information. Uh, one of the things that we have been extremely focused on, while we want to be supportive of our business community and have been working to create awareness and information, extremely important for us is ensuring that we're keeping our residents, customers, employees safe. So we want to know the businesses that are not following the guidelines. And like I said, the grand majority of our business community is doing this, the right thing. But yeah, there's there's a couple of businesses that are, are, are you know, trying to operate as normal. And that just is not the case. Uh, they are putting people's life and health in, in, in danger. And so we will step in. We actually have stepped in and we continue to work with other agencies to make sure that we are uh, uh, enforcing the health guidelines during this very critical time. The only way uh, that we are going to continue to progress, move forward, and, and be back to reality is if everybody is doing their part. And I've been criticized a little bit by some of the businesses that said, you're out there with the measuring tape and you're out there, uh, you know, issuing violations. And, and in reality, we really haven't been uh, aggressive on this issue because people have been compliant. But where we have seen um, this type of, uh, you know, uh, behavior that is irresponsible, we're going to step in and we are citing in those situations. Well, how many citations have you issued so far? You know, since the beginning of the pandemic, uh, we've issued about 160 uh, violations. And, and again, this is, we're, we're looking at the congregation as one of the most important, um, you know, uh, things that we're trying to, 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 you know, to control to make sure that, that we're keeping people safe. So I don't think that that's a lot, uh, considering the number of complaints that we have gotten and the number of calls that we have made to make keep people aware. Uh, I think it's low, but it also shows that we will issue violations if you're in violation of the health orders. What about random inspections to keep everybody honest? Well, one of the so one of the uh, policies or protocols that I implemented very early on as we started to close, you know, with the, the, the working obviously with our health commissioner was that our enforcement team took a, a very proactive role of making sure that we're actually making uh, proactive calls to the businesses 
uh, obviously uh, emails and, uh, and and webinars, but we have made over 20,000 calls to inform businesses about what the rollout is and what are the requirements. So, and I've heard from the businesses, hey, I, you know, I heard from your, your team and they told me what I needed to do. And so we know that from very early on, businesses uh, needed that, you know, kind of having us walk them through some of the, the, the requirements during this time, because this has been completely new to all of us. And certainly um, a lot of information out there, we want to make sure we're getting directly to the business community and we're reaching out in multiple ways. So random inspections? No. Do you have the manpower to do that? Well, no, again, I think we're responding to complaints for sure. That's why if, Fran, if you're walking into a store and it's completely crowded with people, we want to hear from you and we will be uh, coming onto uh, that location. Now, uh, you know, we have been out there. We're hearing that there's a lot of that. If we're going to a particular block and we see other activity, our, our investigators will step in and just remind you, hey, making sure that everything is uh, in accordance with the guidelines. So you do see our team out there. Uh, but our goal, respond to complaints. If we're already in an area, then, and we see behavior, we're going to step in. We're going to issue a warning where we see that there's, you know, problems. Um, and egregious acts will be uh, slapped with a violation. Restaurants can open to 25% capacity. So can the bars and beer gardens. Am I right about that? But yes, you're right. Illinois Restaurant Association President Sam Toya has predicted that 20 or 30 percent of Chicago restaurants may never reopen. What's your take on that? Is it going to be worth it for restaurants to bring back their staff and incur all the other major expenses to reopen when capacity is so limited? You know, uh, you know, as I since I've been in this role, Fran, I, I've gotten to know uh, our business community, and they're extremely resilient. I certainly do not uh, question Sam Toya. He he is our partner in a lot of what we do, and so certainly he's got data and information that I'm sure uh, it, it's it's something that he 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 knows well. But what I can tell you is that. This is an unprecedented time. We must listen to our health experts. This is about the safety and the health and well-being being of our entire city. And so I do hurt and, and feel their hurt uh, during this time. We know that some businesses are not going to come back. We know that that is the truth. I mean, and, uh, but again, the, the guidance and the steps and measures that we are taking is to ensure that the, the entire city is protected. And so uh, we are here to support them. The mayor, as you know, has was first out of the gate to provide financial programs that were going to be supportive of businesses. Uh, I want to say that Chicago was the first major city to roll out a $100 million loan uh, fund. Uh, other cities had followed, but certainly not at that amount. And then shortly after that, we also implemented a $5 million grant program that was lottery and was focused on small businesses in, in, in low, and income, low and moderate income areas. And again, she just announced yet again another $15 million Together Now fund. And so we know these efforts and uh, measures that have been put into place is because we know that businesses are hurting. We know that businesses need our support. But importantly to that point, Fran, is that we rely 
strongly and primarily on the federal government uh, to step in with financial support for our business community. Uh, it is their job, first and foremost, to provide those financial resources. What we have done in Chicago is above and beyond what the federal government has done to be that additional support. Uh, and so I hear you. We do know that some businesses are not going to come back, and that is completely unfortunate. And uh, But we're doing everything we can to be as supportive of our business community. We've seen a COVID fee pop up on restaurant bills to cover the cost of the protective gear and the disposable menus and all the other things that they have to come up with. It's not cheap. Does that worry you? And what percentage is acceptable? And when do you step in if it becomes price gouging? You know, again, you know, one of the other hats that I wear as part of this department is consumer fraud. And so we certainly want to hear if we feel that there is uh, fraud and or um, gouging that is happening, we will look into it. Uh, but we do understand that that is an additional cost for businesses. And so we, we want to be helpful in these areas. We are working with private partners to ensure that additional funds are being provided uh, for, for those types of expenditures. Uh, so what level I, of fee is acceptable, would you say? 15%, 20%? When does it become price gouging? You know, we'll, we'll have to, uh, you know, price gouging is a very interesting concept. When we get a complaint on price gouging, we uh, our investigators and our attorneys work on this because we have to look at what is the kind of a standard price. Uh, so, for example, I'll give you just one quick example. When uh, sanitizer... Uh, at the very beginning of uh, COVID, uh, we were hearing that uh, a, a small bottle of sanitizer was going, uh, went from $3 to, to, I don't know, four fifty dollars or $5. And we're like, okay, well, we could see that where there is, you know, initial growth of, of price just because of the, of the, of the demand. But then when we hear that that same sanitizer is going for $15, well, then that's a different story. And our, So if um, I see a fee of 15% on my bill or 20%, should I call you or should I just swallow hard and pay it? Yeah, no, I think you could call us. You should call us if you feel that you'd be, absolutely. We, we always look at this, uh, the complaints that come in. And if you feel that somebody is gouging you, absolutely call us. We'll take a look. Look, the worst that can happen is that we... Looked at it and it wasn't. But if it is, we want to know. We want to make sure that during this time, there's a lot of companies out there that are praying on, you know, and taking advantage of the situation. And so we want to know and we want to hear. Uh, and we will take uh, a look. Again, we don't set a percentage because there has been a natural growth of, of, of price based on demand. So, for example, I'll give you just one quick example is that restaurants in some cases have. Uh, you know, the, the cost of meat has increased dramatically, not only because it's in high demand, but in, in many places, manufacturers are not, don't have the employees to produce as much. So we do see a natural a growth and in, in increase in price. Uh, but we want to hear if you think you've been gouged, if you think something is happening that does not seem right. Provide, give us a complaint, send us a complaint, give us the address. We will look at it and make sure that you get a 311 complaint number. If you want to know how that, you know, whether we investigated that, then you follow up with us and we will tell you the outcome of that investigation. 
On July 1st, Chicago's minimum wage will rise by a dollar to $14 an hour. The predictable scheduling ordinance uh, will take effect, requiring businesses to give their employees two weeks' notice of their schedules or compensation for any last-minute changes. The Chicagoland Chamber of Commerce President Jack Levin has urged the mayor to push back the effective date to give businesses fighting for survival a chance to get back on their feet to figure out what their manpower needs are going to be. They, they are so, so pressed in so many different ways. Why not give them a break and delay this for six months? So, you know, Fran, these um, policies and, and, and regulations were heavily deba- debated uh, early on when they were first being introduced uh, through our uh, legislative body and they were voted on. Uh, and, you know, COVID is an extremely, uh, and again, we continue to say this is an unprecedented time, but we believe very strongly that uh, moving forward with landmark legislations that are supportive of workers in Chicago are extremely critical. And now is not the time to walk back important legislations that support the working class. Um, you know, the mayor has been extremely focused on reforming, um, uh, you know, looking at the poverty in Chicago and ensuring that um, our residents, working class families have uh, the proper wages and they have uh, working conditions that are uh, going to be supportive of all our residents. And so I understand our business community. We work with them every single day. And when we talk about you know, walking back something that may be helpful to businesses, then we're leaving the workers out. And that is not something we're going to be doing in Chicago. We need to but work it, together. But you, could, you could delay it for six months and give them a chance to get back on their feet and realize what their needs are going to be. Yes, no. And, and look, I think, again, we continue to work with them. We continue to, to hear them. And, you know, uh, as part of uh, just a uh, COVID, uh, we did work with the business community and have made changes at our Fair Work fair work Week uh, ordinance to ensure that uh, there's a private uh, cause of action uh, for Fair Work Week, given uh, making sure that there is a six-month delay for any uh, You're talking about the right for an employee to sue that you're delaying right. that six months, but he's saying that's not enough. Right. And look, we work with our business community on these issues every day. And we have uh, worked with our hotel lodging association with the IRA. And we have, uh, as you know, our Office of Labor Standards, Andy Fox, who is our director, has uh, been on regular conversations explaining the rollout. And we will work with the business community on these issues. But we are not going to take a step back uh, on at a time when essential workers have been, uh, we have relied on them to keep our economy open. And so to walk back, uh, you know, decent wages uh, that, 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 that are, and I apologize, my phone, um, but to walk back important uh, policies for our workers at a time when we need workers, it's not, it's not the time to be doing that. We will work with our business community and we will make sure that as July 1st comes, that we continue to uh, work with them and figure this out. But uh, I 
like uh, I work uh, very closely with Jack. I know him well. We debated this uh, openly, and we, uh, you know, very respectfully disagree on the particular issue. Again, reopening guidelines have been developed for every industry. They're almost dizzying. They're different for every industry. I don't know how all this came about, but what worries you most about this reopening? Gyms and health clubs, movie theaters, hotels? What do you think? Yeah, you know, so there's certainly industries that that, uh, have a greater risk of, of potential spread. Certainly, I think... Uh, the health clubs are, you know, areas where, uh, you know, people are uh, working out and, and, and we want to make sure that those areas uh, remain uh, safe. Uh, that we're, we're being a little bit stricter on our, our health clubs than they would like us to be. For example, wearing face masks is going to be an absolute must inside Um and, and I know this is something that they're they're finding a little bit uh, restrictive, but again, if we want to continue to progress and keep our city moving forward, I think this is the only way. Uh, you know, I do have some concerns, but I have seen nothing but great collaboration and cooperation from our business community. So I think everybody is interested in doing the right thing. And just like with the gym, I am concerned, um, but uh, I think the gyms also understand that that their customers are concerned. And so by having a higher threshold of safety, uh, uh, you know, regulations in place, then guarantees to the, to the customers that they are also going to be safer. So it's about That's an area that confidence. I can see a lot of abuse though. If you walk into a gym and people are, you know, they can't work out, they can exert themselves the way they want to if they have a mask on their face and they take them off. I mean, that, that I can see a tremendous amount of abuse. Right. Yeah. And again, we want to hear about places that are not, uh, you know, uh, adhering to to the regulations. Uh, So we certainly, again, we don't want to be punitive. We want to support our business community at a time when they're trying to open and, 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 you know, they're in the business of making money and we want, we want to be extremely respectful, but we're not going to compromise on guidelines that have helped us progress and continue to reopen. And so I think as long as we all follow the guidelines, we can see reopening continue to progress in the right direction. We will step in and issue enforcement and violations if we see multiple complaints on on a particular business. Live performance venues, nightclubs, uh, the places where people stand and listen to live music. It seems like a, a long time ago that that happened and was taken away from us. When might we see that again? Well, I mean, under phase four, starting uh, uh, tomorrow, uh, those uh, locations can be open. But there is one distinction, and people need to be uh, very clear on this, is that everyone must be uh, in a seat. We call it bottom seats, right? And so if you had a performance venue that was standing room only, uh, then you must have seats. You must practice the social distancing. You must follow all those guidelines. You could have up to 50 people or, and or 25% of the capacity. Um, but again, having uh, bottoms and seats is essential to keeping that social distancing. So we want those places to be open. We encourage them to be creative during this time so long as they're following the guidelines. But financially, that doesn't make sense. You can't pay a live act if you can't pack them in. You know, again, these are business decisions that are to be made by the businesses themselves. But we are providing 
guidelines to to allow them this um, trans, you know, uh, slow reopening and transitioning into more normality. Um, understanding that, you know, I want to see, I want to go and be in a concert among my friends and and uh, and dance uh, like uh, I normally would, but this is just not that time, unfortunately. Uh, you know, and so we will get there if we continue to be cautiously reopening, listening to the guidelines and following through. We understand that the businesses are in it for making money, but this, this pandemic has hit businesses throughout the globe. Certainly in Chicago, we, we want to be supportive of our, our business industries. And I can't wait for things to be normal. But in the meantime, we must follow the guidelines. The ride hailing industry and the cab industry devastated. It seems like so long ago that we debated the $40 million congestion fee. What's the future hold for them? Well, you know, I mean, you just asked me about uh, public venues. Uh, I would say that uh, what we have seen in terms of our public vehicle industry is, is similar. When people are not out shopping, when they're not out working, they're not hailing cabs, they're not hailing ride shares. And so, um, you know, the economy has hit every industry consistently. Uh, and so as they continue to progress, uh, we will continue to work with them. And, and yes, it, it is, it is, uh, it has been mind blowing to me sitting in this job to, to know that literally a year ago, uh, we were debating issues that today seem so distant from reality, but we, again, I am extremely hopeful uh, as we see today, I drove in, I saw more traffic. Uh, and so every day I'm seeing more traffic. And, and I think these industries are slowly going to be coming back. Uh, but as uh, with the taxi industry, uh, Fran, you know that we recently provided additional support for PPE. Uh, so uh, we, and, and again, uh, the, the taxi industry as well as the right hailing industry can avail themselves of any of the different programs, uh, the loan programs, grant programs, not just by the city and the state, but by the federal government. And uh, I know personally that uh, many of our cabs, uh, uh, you know, operators have applied for some of these streams of money. And, and it is our goal and hope that many of them uh, were able to to some of these uh, uh, streams of funding. Rosa Escareño, thank you so much for joining us and keep that hand on the dimmer switch. Best of uh, luck in the Fran, reopening. Fran, and thank you so much for your service as well. And it's it's a joy uh, having you around. Uh, truly, it truly is. You you really make, uh, you keep us on our toes and uh, uh, it's always a pleasure to work with you. Thank you so much for all you do for Chicago. Thank you so much. Best of luck with the reopening and we will see you all next week.